You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Dave Ammons. It's good to be here, is it not? I don't know about you, but I love Sundays. I just love what it does to me. I love getting in the presence of God. Uh, I love learning. I feel like every single time I'm up here, have you guys not learned some incredible stuff over the past several weeks? I mean, I love how God just continues to re- reveal himself, and I grow as a, as a person, as a dad, as a husband, as a, just everything. My whole aspect has changed because I get in his presence, and that's something to celebrate right there. So we're going to continue that here today. Uh, we are, like uh, Eddie said, we're continuing a series called, Where Do We Go From Here? And we've kind of veered off a little bit because uh, Pastor Mike and Dr. Schultz have done such a phenomenal job of really kind of exposing the things of society and what we face, but uh, they've also exposed something else because, and I love this part of Dr. Schultz's message, he ends every one of them by going like this, hey, there's hope in this crisis. And what we've been exploring is the hope that's in the crisis that is before us is the family, but not just the family in general, a specific kind of family, a family that uh, has a value system uh, that sets them apart, right? And so we've been in that for the last two weekends, and we'll do that uh, for the next couple and just exposing different ways that how we can uh, keep revealing different parts of Scripture of the massive impact that really has. Now, as I was preparing for this weekend and just kind of praying through, uh, what is it that you, you want me to speak on, Lord? Naturally, I started thinking about my own situation uh, and just the journey of becoming a dad. How, how many parents we got in the house? Yeah? Okay. Good many. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, and I'll never forget becoming a dad for the first time. It was crazy. Like, me and Macy just decided, hey, it's time. Let's have some kids. And we did. Like, nobody said no. <laughs> like, like, really honestly, think about how crazy that is. Like, you don't go before, like, a board. Like, hey, we want to have some kids. What do y'all think? Yeah. Y'all seem pretty nice. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, go for it. Have fun. Like, no, nothing. Like, we went to a hospital, walked out with a kid. That is crazy. And you realize just how truly unprepared you are. So I got a few pictures for you. I think they've showed you some of the professional ones. That's like the nice ones that like everybody puts up on Instagram and stuff like that. That's awesome, right? Let me show you the reality. We got a couple more. Okay, so here... Nobody told me that tug of war was a part of the birthing process. Some of you females know what I'm talking about. Me and Macy played tug of war for three hours. Wore me slap out. I had no idea the birthing process could be so tiring. To prove it to you, I'm sacked out right here. I was tired. I woke up that next day, back sore, babe. I don't know about you, but I'm worn out from last night. This is, jeez, nobody told me. Me and Baylor had it. Caption this. Give me some feedback. What am I thinking in this picture? Online, participate. Type it in the message chat. I want to know what you think I should be saying. Give me some feedback. What am I saying? What am I thinking right here? I don't know what I'm going to do. 100%. I'm thinking, this hospital ain't got a clue. They just let me out of the hospital with a kid. World. Let's go to the next one. See, here's another crucial, crucial point. Nurses come in and are like, hey, we gotta make sure that before you leave this building, you at least know what this device does. So we go through the whole thing, which is 
you know, you take 18 minutes to figure out how to strap your child in for the first time, and then you get out to your car and realize it was nothing of what they just described, right? <laughs> 15 minutes go by, and I'm like, this thing doesn't latch anywhere. Like, how do I get this thing in? Like, does everybody know that I'm getting ready to walk home or getting ready to drive home, and there's people that are going to be driving beside me? We went to the hospital that was like 45 minutes away. I've never drone, drove so careful in my life, it's ridiculous. I wanted a bubble. I got a new kid, right? I understand the signs on the, on the, on the car. Beware. There's a kid in this car. You better be careful. It's my kid. And we had four of them. It's crazy. But this whole process of becoming a, a parent is just absolutely uh, ridiculous. I, and I absolutely love it. You know, the last couple weekends have been really, really powerful. And Pastor Mike and Dr. Schultz have really taken us through a great journey. Uh, Pastor Mike, at the end of one of Dr. Schultz, two weekends ago, uh, ended on such a powerful step for every single one of us. He told us this Joshua story. And basically, it was a decision between, are you going to serve the gods of Egypt? Right? That's what you came out of, all the struggle that Egypt represented for the Israelites. Sure, go. you, you can choose to serve those gods. That's where you've been living. You can choose to serve the gods of where we are right now. Or what Joshua did, which was different, and it's that iconic verse that hangs in all of our kitchens, but it says simply, as for me and my house, I'm going to tell you what we're going to serve. We're going to serve the Lord. And it was such a powerful statement because he had invited, hey, congregation, who wants to take that step just like Joshua did? And I'm telling you, the front was just flooded with parents. It was a powerful, powerful moment that happened. And I loved watching it. Pastor Luke and, and uh, Pastor Meg had a great service last weekend as well where they gave us kind of a similar but different challenge of are we going to pick the football up? This team effort of what this represents and are we going to pick the ball up and run, right? And so we've been in, in that journey. Now, one of the verses that came to mind when I was thinking about this weekend that, re that really just reminded me so much of what we've been talking about as a church comes to us out of Psalms chapter 11. Here's simply what it says. It says, when the foundations are being destroyed, okay? When life seems like everything has just gone wrong, like the foundations are destroyed, We've been talking about how this has been challenged so much in our, in our society. When this foundation has been destroyed, here's a simple question that the Bible asks. What do or what can the righteous do? What can believers do? And I want everybody in the congregation to say the next two words. What is it? The Lord. Absolutely. I'm saying, and what I believe Scripture is saying here for every single one of us, is that when you find yourself in that place that you just don't know what to do, Parents, husbands, right? Wives, business owners, employees, no matter who you are, when you find yourself in this situation in life, where I just don't know what to do. The answer is, let's go back to the Lord. Let's go back to his values. That's the answer of what we have. Because life can be crazy. I don't know if it is for you, but you know, with having, ever since I've had kids, life is happening at such a breakneck speed that it's just literally buzzing by. And sometimes I think we can find ourselves a lot further away than we realize. It's, it's almost like this drift is taking place, right? And we're drifting along life and you don't realize that you're so far from where you're supposed to be and you don't even know it's taking place, right? Now, this past summer, my boys have really gotten into all things beach. I mean, we pretty much have lived at the beach this summer. And they do anything, uh, fishing, we did a lot of shrimping, crabbing, 
shark tooth finding, I mean, you name it, from sun up to sundown, we hanging out at the beach, okay? Now, one of their favorite things to do at the beach is what I call boogie boarding. It's like those half uh, surfboards you lay on the stomach and you kind of ride the waves back and forth, right? They love to, hours of entertainment are taking place when they can boogie board. Now, that would be really nice if the waves just simply came, went out and came back in straight. But that's not how the waves operate, is it? How do waves come in? Waves come in at some weird angle, right? Okay, so they go out and they come in. They go back out and they come in. They go back out and they come in. And before long, sometimes it takes 10 to 15 minutes and they're 200 yards down the beach, right? Sometimes if it's a really bad current, they can be there in like two minutes. And so what I'm trying to teach my boys is, hey, here's where you're supposed to be. This is where mom and dad is. And so I want you to identify this, either this house or maybe there's a tree on the beach. Identify this so that way when you're going down the beach and you get to this place, you know, hey, I'm too far and I need to come back where I am, where I'm supposed to be, right? I think Christian believers and Christian families have found themselves 200 yards down the beach and it's time for them to come back. Okay, now this is the heartbeat, the exact heartbeat of what Pastor Mike started many, many weeks ago with this series, okay? And he kind of looked like what I looked like on the beach when my kids get a little bit too far, right? I'm waving at him, I'm like, hey, it's, it's enough, come on back, come on, I need to get you to back to where you're supposed to be. Uh, and the Bible says this, that when you find yourself at these crossroads, right? these crossroads sections of our life. Now what's interesting is, you see, all of us can have these personal crossroads. You may have a health scare, right? That's your, you have a, a crossroad in your life. You may have a financial scare. You may have whatever in your life, but we have these moments where it's a crossroad moment that is a kind of a defining moment of our life. Now very rarely does it happen that an entire nation, yet alone an entire world, finds themselves at the same crossroad, okay? Listen to what Jeremiah talks about when we find ourselves at these crossroad moments of life. So this is Jeremiah chapter six, and it says this. This is what the Lord says, okay? When you find yourself at this crossroad, I want you to stand at the crossroads and look. He's giving us instruction of when you find yourself in these seasons, here's what you're supposed to do. Ask for the ancient past. Ask for the good, where the good way is, and then I want you to walk in it. And here's the greatest part. Eddie already even alluded to it in his first thing. What will you find? Rest. Rest. You see, we've been exposing what the world is trying to redefine what God created. Culture, you see, has been trying to shape these new ideas around what, what gender is, right? What, what marriage is, what sexuality is, what even education. That's the big hot topic right now that's all over the news channels, right? But it's also trying to redefine what the family is in, in the power of what it's supposed to be. And this verse that I just read you really has been my prayer all week long for us is that this series that we're in motivates us that every single time we find ourselves at these crossroad moments in life that we know exactly what to do. We stand, we stop and we stand and we look and we ask God, what does that mean? We lean on God, we draw close to God because when we do that, not only will we find the path, but we'll find the answer that God has for us individually. Because when we don't do that, I want you to listen to the warning that he gives us just a few chapters later. Same book of the Bible, a few chapters later, he gives us this warning. 
This is chapter 18. But my people, they're not so reliable because they've deserted me. They burn incense to these worthless idols. They're finding anything and everything to worship. It's these worthless idols that are out there. And when they do that, they have stumbled off of the ancient highways and walk in muddy paths. What is he saying? He's warning us. He's saying, hey, don't get off of my path because when you do, it's a muddy path. Instead, I have this different way that I want you guys to be operating. I want you to stay intentional about living a godly life and having these values in your life, making sure that these values are in your family. And I love how plainly, you know, when you read the Bible, do y'all do the same thing that I do where you read a couple different versions of the Bible? Like you get a verse, you're like, ooh, I like that one. Let me see what this version says. I love what the message version of the same exact verse says because it says it so plainly. It says that when we abandon godly values and choose to go that world's way, right, you find yourself bushwhacking through an underbrush in a tangle of roots and vines. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know another verse that describes the last 18 months of our lives. That's it, right there, okay? And overall, we've made it clear, it doesn't matter what we think or what our emotions are telling us to feel, right? No, what matters is, am I going to base my life off of what I think or what the Bible says, right? Or what God thinks? Am I going to conduct myself and raise my family through the world's lens or through God's lens? And that's the question that we have for every single one of us. And I really believe that this is why we're seeing so many children go into the world truly unprepared. Because all too often, parents leave it up to these two little items, chance and luck. What they're going is they're sending off their children and they're going, oh, you know what, I, I really hope that someone will teach them. Surely I'm sending them to all these schools, I'm just doing all this kind of, somebody will pick the ball up and they're gonna get taught, right? Or the other thing that you're going to is, Maybe, just maybe, hopefully, they'll figure it out on their own. Can I say something? Chance is a lousy teacher. It's even worse at guiding our children the way that we want them to be raised. Don't leave these things. Don't leave this, this raising of our children to chance or happenstance or luck or whatever else you want to call it. Rather, this is the crux of the message that I have for you today and really the challenge for every single one of us, whether you have kids or not, whether your kids are in the house or out of the house, I don't care, but we want to be intentional. That's the challenge that I have for every single one of us today. Now, this concept of raising a child is pretty interesting. Now, you, you may have known this. I didn't. Uh, I'm currently reading, I, I started a book this past week uh, called Intentional Father. Great book so far, I haven't gotten too far, um, but it's a great book. But he, he tells us about the origin of this phrase. And it's interesting because it has its origins in Roman culture, and what would happen in Roman culture is that the children were presented to the father, and if the father wanted the child, he would lift the baby to the sky. And here I thought Lion King was the one who made that whole thing up. They done took it from the Romans, right? But you get this literal picture of him raising the child. And this action had meaning. This action actually meant that the baby was welcomed into the home. You see, because of the, if the father did not want the child and therefore did not raise the child, he would look the other way and leave the child in the street. It's pretty harsh. It is harsh. 
But I want to contend that the very same thing is happening in households all across this nation and all across this world. Yes, they may be physically in the home, but that's about it. And really, honestly, today we, we take this phrase for granted. Because if you look at this, this phrase of raising the child, what we're actually communicating based off of the history of this phrase is this. I want you. I want you in my life. And even more than that, I'm going to take responsibility for you and I'm going to give you everything I can to help you grow into the man or the woman that God created you to be. That's the art of raising a child. Now here comes the struggle of this weekend's message. Because if you know me, I love some points. Uh, give me a one, two, three. Give me a fill in the blank. Give me 42 items and I'll have them conquered by the end of the week, right? That's what I love to do. But I felt this kind of nudging uh, from the Lord this past week, actually on Monday, and felt like that wasn't the direction that I really kind of needed to go. And I kept feeling this, this kind of whisper of, Dave, there, there's two values that you've had in your life that have had massive implications. Now, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you straight up, this is not your typical parenting message. It's not gonna be your typical one, okay? It will be challenging for some. But again, no matter where you find yourself in life, whether you're a parent or not, whether your kid is in or out of the house, all of us will have implications of this message that can impact our life in some aspect of another. Okay? So y'all ready to dive in? Okay. All right, we got a couple. All right, let's do it. I'm gonna, I got 15 people that I'm going to speak to this morning. I'm going to preach the fire out of you. All right? Here we go. Let's do this thing. All right, so I told you that my boys are really all into playing at the beach, right? Been out there. So spending as much time as we can out there, there's been a particular verse that has really spoken to me. Uh, and now this has been more of a personal journey, but as I was thinking about this weekend, I think it has actually some implications that I want us to go through. This is Matthew chapter seven. This is a very popular example. Whether you've read it or not, you've heard of this example. This is simply the example in the Bible that are we going to build our house on the rock or are we going to build our house on the sand? Okay, this is uh, verse 24. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The same exact thing happened. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, but it had a different outcome. It fell with a great crash. You know, sometimes we can read scripture and uh, if you're like me either, I'm like, oh, okay, no, I know that and I'll just move on to the next one. How often do we read scripture and we miss sometimes what God's trying to communicate? I wanna open up the scripture a little bit more for us this morning. And I wanna show you, there's, a, there's three guarantees that we find in this scripture. The first guarantee is this, is that there will be serious difficulty. It doesn't matter whether you decide to build your house on a rock, which represents the word of God, or whether you build your house in the sand, every single one of us will experience serious difficulty. Jesus promises serious difficulty in our lives. We live in the world of COVID. We live in the world of economic instability. We live in the world of national and international instability. Jesus tells us, listen, 
you're going to build a house and there is going to be trouble on that house. The wind's going to come. The storms are going to come. He's telling us the truth. He's not blowing smoke up us, right? But this is the same reason that if you're going to build a house on the beach, you don't plan to build a, a, a house on the beach with a beautiful sunny day in mind. How do, you build, how do you plan to build that house? You plan to build that house with Hurricane Hugo in mind, right? But this is what we see playing out in families all across the world right now, is a social Hurricane Hugo is playing out right now, and a lot of families are having this realization that they built their house on the sand, and they're going, oh shoot, did I wait too long? You see, because your house is only as good as the foundation is, and if you build with only good times in mind, sorry to tell you, you're building for failure. And so Jesus, we see telling us right here, hey, you better build the foundation of your life strong because trouble is going to come. The second guarantee that we see in this scripture is that he offers total security. Jesus promises us total security and success to those who obey his word. If you build your house on the rock, on the word of God, you will not fall. The third guarantee is very similar to the second, but in the opposite manner. He guarantees failure. Jesus promises failure to every person and family that disobeys his word. Those are the guarantees that we see in this example, okay? Now, you may be out there and asking yourself, now why in the world would anybody build their house on the sand? I mean, doesn't that make sense? Who would be foolish enough to build their house on the sand? All of us, every single one of us. But here's what I wanna do, is I wanna point out a few reasons of why this happens, and here's my hope. My hope would be is that once you see it exposed, of why this most commonly happens, of why we build a life, why we build our house on the sand, me and you will be a lot quicker at realizing it and saying, uh-uh, that's, that's not gonna be in my life, that's not gonna be in my family. So let's expose a few things of why people build their house in the sand. The first thing is this, the sand is more comfortable. More comfortable. You know, Dr. Schultz uh, highlighted this for us and he simply said this, he made this realization for us, we don't live in a non-biblical world. No, as a matter of fact, we live in an anti-biblical world. And if easy and comfort is what you're looking for, if that's what you're searching for in this world, all you've got to do is reject the word of God. That's it, that's simple. That's the easy thing. That's the momentum of what the world is gonna give you. But if you have any desire to leave a legacy for your family, if you have any desire to leave a legacy here on this planet Earth, I'm here to tell you this life isn't just about comfort. This life is about being true to a person who gave his life on a cross for us over 2,000 years ago and us standing up for him, building families of value. What does scripture tell us? Tell us. It says, hey, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. But how are you to raise that child? I want you to tell them of the goodness of God when they, when they wake up, when they go to bed, when they come, when they go. Why? Because you want them to understand the salvation message for the reason to go and make disciples of all nations. Not wondering, you know what? I wonder what kind of kid I'm going to have in 18 years. 
but rather we're intentional parents mapping out a game plan knowing your kid's foundation was properly formed. You see, because there is a moment that is just around the corner. This moment is gonna happen and there's nothing that us as parents can do about it. We can't stop it, we can't delay it. It's gonna happen. This is the moment that your kids leave the house. Whenever that age is, it could be 17, it could be 18, it could be 19. They could be going to college, they could be buying their house, their first house that they're going to live in. I'm not sure what they're gonna be doing. It could be their first job, right? And that day comes and they got their suitcases packed and they're getting in that Uber or they're getting in a, you know, an airplane or whatever it is that may happen. But that day is going to come. Now, I have not personally lived out that day, but here's what I can imagine will happen for every single one of us is that questions will begin to pour into your mind. Questions like, you know, I wonder, did I teach them everything they need to be taught? Oh, what, what about this wisdom that we're talking about? Did I, fill, did I fill every area with all the wisdom that they need to be able to handle the situations that are getting ready to come? Did, did I help them learn all of the lessons that they needed to have? Did, did I help them understand what love is? Do they have a good understanding of what a loving relationship is between a man and a woman? Are they gonna go into a, a relationship healthy? Oh, I wonder what kind of legacy that I'm gonna leave my kids. Do they have a strong enough foundation? What do you do when you find yourself in this moment and this is the first time you're asking those questions? Well, I think we already addressed that a little bit. This is one of those crossroad moments that are so vital in our life. What do we go back to? We go back to the Lord because it's not too late. I don't care what age your kid is. You may think, ah, oh, it's done, I'm done, I, I failed. They're already out of the house. It's not too late. Can I tell you that I rely on my parents sitting right there on that second row just as much now as I ever did? It's never too late. The response is always the Lord and the value systems that get created. You know, sometimes there are things that just seem impossible, but y'all know this, with God, all things are possible. And the good news is that with a little bit of planning, and some intentionality, you can go into this day right here with a whole lot of confidence, with very little regret, knowing the foundation that you put in them and saying, you know what? I know they're getting ready to handle a whole lot of stuff, but I feel confident because I know the foundation that has been laid for them. Not gonna be with them every single day, but I know that they can make those decisions. And so the, this, this, thing, this thing is so important of, of putting these kind of things inside of our kid as opposed to the reasons of why people build their house and build their life on the sand. That's the first reason. And the second reason is this, why people build uh, their life on the sand, it's more popular. Go to any beach in America, go to any beach in the world, where do you find people hanging out of the beach? On the sand. They're not hanging out on the rocks. Not comfortable there. They ain't laying out on the rock, they're laying out in the sand. Got the beach chair, they're hanging out, they're comfortable. It's popular, right? The popular place today is not on the Word of God. The third thing that you're gonna see about why people build their house on the sand is this, is that it's conformable. 
meaning that it shapes around you. Okay, one of my boys' favorite things to do right now is when they're at the beach, they dig this hole, right? They sit in it, they cover themselves all the way up to the neck, they think it's hilarious, and then they jump out as quick as they can and they wanna see what their body looks like in the sand, okay? What are they doing? They're sitting down in the sand and when they come back up, the sand looks like them. You see, when you sit on the rock, you look like it. That's a massive difference, a massive difference. Jesus said, I'm not gonna conform to you, you need to conform to me. Aren't you glad that you serve a God that's not so small that it can be manipulated like every other false idol or false God that's out there in this world that you can attach yourself to? No, he's a God that's so big that we have to worship him, he's our provider. But a lot of people are building their life on the sand and we see this cultural study being played out literally right in front of our eyes. What does it look like? Looks like a whole lot of failure. Looks like a whole lot of dysfunction being passed down from generation to generation. A lot of pain that goes along with that. A whole lot of confusion and I don't know my purpose and combined with a whole lot more failure and anxiety and all the things that get wrapped up into this world. I don't know about you, but I don't want that for my kids. I don't want that for my grandchildren. I don't want to have a failed value system operating in my family system. But unfortunately, we see this play out in so many people's lives. And actually, many of you might actually be a product of that failed value system. But the encouragement that I want to give you today is no matter what your upbringing is, that doesn't have to be what your future is. So what I want to do today is I want to give you two values that have massively impacted my life. Now, they're two simple values. There are hundreds of values in scripture that are just as powerful and that you can take from these as well. I'm only giving you two, but out of these two, you can get 15 others within each of them, okay? So I'm not gonna fill in all the blanks for you, right? You're gonna have to do your own homework. My hope is that I get in your head enough to where as you go back home and you spend some time in the Word this week and you think through this message, you go, you know what, I wonder where I am on these issues. First one is this. We have to make Jesus number one in our life. We have to. Now, what I'm not talking about is, oh yeah, I, I come to church on Sunday. That's great, yeah, I'm here, you see me every week, right? Right here. Oh yeah, my, my, my kids are back here. See kids, they're getting, they're getting it. And I, I'm not talking about you, you just come on Sunday. This is more that example of what's your life Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday. Are you making, is Jesus the Lord of your family? Are they seeing you just come on a Sunday or are they seeing you live it out every day of the week in every decision that you make? You see, Macy and I, for us, we made a decision very early on that the Bible is the final authority in our family. You see, the way that looks is that we're not going to make decisions based off of just our opinion. Because God, he don't bless good decisions. He blesses his decisions. He don't bless good ideas. Oh my gosh, Dave, that's such a good idea. No. He blesses his ideas. And to double down on this whole process uh, for, for Macy and I, uh, of God being the foundation of the Ammons family, we just decided early on, when we make major decisions, we are making these decisions together in prayer. Key difference there. Because here's the interesting thing that happens. Many of the things that you and I pray about, they're not in the Bible, right? I mean, don't get me wrong, the Bible has a lot of things and a lot of amazing principles that you have to get, 
But the Bible's not going to tell you what car to buy. The Bible's not going to tell you what house to buy. The Bible's not going to tell you, hey, which school do I need to send my kids to? What college does my kid need? Now, I think there is something about Clemson in the Bible. I'm still searching for it. So we're still working out those details. But it's not going to tell you which one to go to. But here's what the Bible does tell us. It tells us, seek first the kingdom of God. It also tells us, hey, when you don't understand something or you don't have clarity on something, an answer that you need, hey, I, I want to know if I need to buy this house. You know what it tells us to do? It says to ask. Ask. If you lack wisdom, ask. And God will not only give it to you, he'll generously give it to you. And so it's important for us to understand you don't have to have all the answers, but you got to know how to get under his presence. You got to understand how to have this value system operating in your life. And so, so many of our decisions that we make uh, on things are things that we need to have this right foundation, things that we need to pray about and inviting God in to help us, to give us the wisdom that we need. And I'm going to tell you right now, church, if you let the Lord guide you in making these decisions, if this becomes your first response, not your last response, massive implications in your life. It'll be different. Let me tell you what it looks like when you don't. This is what it looks like. Isaiah chapter 53 gives us some insight, okay? Here's what it says. Talking about us as people, we have all strayed like sheep. Each one of us has turned to go his own way and the Lord did something in response. The Lord laid all our sins on him. Did you know that one of the reasons why Jesus died on the cross was to forgive us of our sin of independence? Essentially saying, God, you're awesome, love you, you're great. I think I can do it on my own. I got pretty good gifts and talents. I can raise my family. And it's this process of leaning more on our own identity versus our identity in God. But one of the most common analogies that you're going to see in the Bible all throughout Scripture talking about us as people is that we are sheep. Now, don't mistake this as a compliment. Sheep are really honestly some pretty pathetic animals. I mean, don't get me wrong, they're cute. Look at them, just cute little uh, machines. But they're pathetic. They can't navigate. They're not strong. They can't protect themselves. They need a shepherd. So do we. And I think Jesus, when he looks down on this earth and looks at us doing life, right? I think he thinks, oh, they're, they're just sheep. Oh, they're sheep. And they have no idea that they're surrounded by wolves. They don't stand a chance. And I think if we could have this realization and, and say, God, I, I, I've got to come to Jesus and say, Lord, I want you to be my shepherd. Every day when we wake up saying, God, I want to trust you to be the person that offers the direction in my life. I trust you to be my protector. I trust you to give the wisdom. When I don't know what to do, God, I trust on you. I lean on you. You are my shepherd. I trust you to be my provider. Listen, I love being a father. I love, absolutely, it's one of the greatest joys in my life. I love being a dad. It would break my heart if my children didn't need me. I love being a dad. God loves being a father. And when we don't trust him with our life, 
or denying him the opportunity to do, to do what he loves the most. And I think while we're here on this earth, I don't think any of us will ever understand just how much God loves us. And at some point we have to decide in our life, are we gonna be like Joshua and say, as for me in my house, this is where I stand. You're not gonna move me off of this. I will build my house on this rock. Just like Pastor Luke and Pastor Meg shared in it. God, I make you number one in my life. I want you to be the shepherd of my life. And I'm telling you, church, that one decision, whoo, it'll change you. You know, every single time I get on TikTok, don't lie, y'all get on TikTok too. I know y'all do. I've been scrolling for hours. Y'all get that little person at the end that says, hey, you've been on TikTok for three hours. You need to stop and go to bed. Y'all ain't never got that? Y'all didn't know that was there? Oh, just scroll a little bit longer. Look at there. But here's what I get on TikTok every time I get on there is that one thing that they're doing, I understood the assignment, whatever that thing is, you know what I'm talking about? Right, yeah, let me give you all the assignment, okay? When you go home this week, here's what I want you to do. I want you to read Psalms chapter 23 with the lens of what I just described to you. Because when you make the decision to make Jesus number one in your life, it's good to have an understanding of what the benefits are that come with that. Because here's what you're gonna get. Psalms 23 starts off by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. And the rest of that chapter, that would take you about two to three minutes to read, will give you every bit of benefit that comes when you make that simple decision. If I had time today, I'd go through a whole teaching on that, but there's power in the word. Get in there and do that. That's the first thing that I wanna give you is a massive thing. We've got to make a decision that Jesus is gonna be number one in our life. Second value I wanna to give to you is we have to trust God as our provider. Have to trust God as our provider. This is Matthew chapter six, verse 24, simply says this, no one can serve two masters, no one. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. This is Jesus speaking, there's, there's a divide, there's, not, there's no middle ground. I can't kind of play this teeter-totter of like, some days I do and some days I don't. Every day, we're making a decision, am I going to serve God or am I going to serve mammon? And this is Jesus speaking here, and mammon is the money God. Mammon is, the, is money that promises you and I three key areas, security, identity, and purpose. Everything that God does without morality. So mammon comes along, and here's what it says to us in our heads. Listen, man, I don't care what your religion is. Shoot, I don't even care what your lifestyle is. You can pick as many as you want. Just go out there, live your life, do whatever you want. But I need you to understand one thing. I need you to understand that all you need in life is wealth, and that's gonna take care of every single one of your problems. You don't need God. All you need is money. And Jesus is telling us that we have to choose. And unfortunately, most of society, society and even very well-meeting Christian families don't choose this value system properly. Because here's what I see in broader society and even when I talk to so many folks, here's the value system order that I see. The first thing is this, money is the, is the greatest value. The second value that I see operating in so many families is this is image. 
Another way to say that would be social status. What, what does it look like that I have? What, what am I driving? What does my lifestyle look like? What kind of ball clubs are my kids playing in that they're never going to make it to professional sports anyway, but I'm going to spend my whole life chasing them around, right? It's this social status, right? Oh, and then we have this thing called family values that comes in third. This is not uncommon. I mean, think about the relationships and the people that you do life with. It's not uncommon. And the thinking most often sounds something like this. If I have money, if I have enough money, it's always this chase. If I have enough money and social status, then I can give my kids anything they want. And the fallout of this kind of thinking and this kind of lifestyle is tremendous pain and dysfunction that gets passed down from generation to generation to generation. And we've all seen this play out in many, many different ways, whether it's real life or all the movies and shows that we watch. Is that, that is the theme of what we see play out on the screen time and time again. Why? Because what started out as a genuine desire to provide for our kids has been hijacked by an enemy who his entire goal is to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And at some point we started Moving from this God-centered lifestyle and over, I think I can rely on my own self. Started off as this genuine desire. I'm going to raise my family around. I'm gonna do, but then we crept over to the side. Remember, there's no middle ground. You can't serve God and mammon. It's this choice. But scripture is very clear. It says, hey, you don't have to have this life that's filled with pain and dysfunction and stuff that gets passed down from generation to generation. Let's read just the next verse of the verse that we just read. Same chapter, same book of the Bible. Next verse. Here's what it says. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about life, of what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? I mean, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Let's take a look at the flowers. The flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all of his splendor, as massively wealthy as he was, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into a fire, will he not much more clothe you, you a little of faith, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? That's, that's stuff that the pagans, that's stuff that the people are chasing after in the world. That's all the things that they run after. No, your heavenly father knows that you need him. Again, the context here is money. The context here is being our provider. And Jesus is letting you know right here again that there is no middle ground. You have to choose, are we going to serve God or are we going to serve mammon? And the thing I really want you to understand is he knows you. He loves you. He knows about your innermost being. This is confirmed in 1 John. It says this, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, remember there's no, there's, there's no middle ground. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. It's this choice. 
For everything in the world, what is the world? The world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires, all those things that we chase, pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So John is telling us, hey, listen, the world, the lust of the flesh, everything that you can get desired there, all, all the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, this, this material, these money things, all of those things, you can either have a relationship with God the Father or trust in the things of this world that are going to pass away. You see, the trouble with these concepts that I just gave you is that the majority of families don't have a good example of what a good father or a good parent is supposed to be. So how do you think that the God of this universe could possibly know me? How could he possibly know you and care for you when the father that I had or the parents that I had on this earth, this life, could barely put food on the table and put a roof over my house? Actually, they did better at giving me more dysfunction than anything. And so I think it's so easy, it can make easy sense for so many people that sure, money can solve all of your problems. If I can just get more wealth, I can solve all the problems that I have in my life. And I'm willing to contend this, that if you don't ever end up getting a right relationship with the Father, you'll never have a healthy relationship with money. Because you can't serve both. You can't. And so what ends up happening is you live your life in this rat race, trying to solve all the dysfunctions of your life, not knowing that you're just repeating it. You see, Macy and I, again, this is one of those principles that for us, it was just a non-negotiable. This was one of those value systems that we wanted to make sure was operating in our family. Why? We've seen too much. You see, I've watched my parents tithe their entire life, and I've seen how God's hand has been on our family. Did you know that my mom and dad never sat me down and said, you know what, Dave? This family, we're gonna be a tithing family. Never did. But what they did do is I saw the action of them putting it in an offering bucket every single week or every other week, whatever that repetition was, and I knew it was important because I saw it in action. And I knew it was important because we didn't have a lot of money. Only thing I saw that consistent was the grocery store, right? They had to feed four boys. So the fact that I saw them doing it, I knew, hey, there, there's, there's, there's some really important things going on here. You know, as I, as I got older, I met with Pastor Mike in different seasons of my life, whether it was in my teenage years or my young adult years, but I had these, these crossroad moments and I wish I had time to tell you all the stories. I don't this morning, but please feel free to find me. I'll, I'll give you hundreds of stories of how God showed up in my life. But he would help me understand these spiritual principles of when we get under God's value system, when we get under his covering. And it was at each of these points in my life that something began to change. Little things begin to happen, big things begin to happen, and all of a sudden I had this realization, and this realization will hit you as well, and I can say it with all confidence because the Bible promises that this very thing will happen to anybody that takes up his challenge. But this realization began to hit me. God doesn't just know about me. Sure, John 3.16 says, he, for God so loved the world, but does he know me? And I realized that every one of these crossroad junctions, when I poured into this principle, I understood, 
Oh, well, God, God knows me. He, he, he knows my family. He, he, he knows us. He, he knows the, the, the challenges that, that face me right in front, of my, in front of my family, whatever that situation is. He knows me. He loves me. Now, I don't know about you, but that was mind-shattering. And still to this day, every single time it happens, it shatters my mind again. You're telling me that the God of this universe knows me, knows my wife, knows my kids, cares about the problems that I have? What? He's taking care of us, and no matter what the world looks like, no matter what the economy looks like, I have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. Why? Because my faith is not in the economy of man. My faith is in the economy of God, and he will never go broke. He never will. He'll never go broke. And he'll never take his eye off of me and you. It just doesn't happen. He loves us more than you'll ever understand. He loves being a father. What does this look like currently for Macy and I? Okay? I'll as practical as I can. Macy and I are currently taking our boys through what's going on in our economy, all the instability, all, all the inflation, and all the things, because it's forcing us to change our budgets. It's forcing us to change our plan. If you saw how much money I spent on food, you go, oh, Lord, I need to pray for a brother. <laughs> They're little, and they eat like a daggone horse. I don't know how my parents did it. But here's what I want them to do. I want to show them even at this early age, that when you apply what Scripture says about money, when you apply what Scripture says about budgeting and tithing and, and being a good steward, man, it has massive implications because how does this play out for the majority of people? What they see is mommy and daddy being stressed out to no end because they're having to change their entire life. Meanwhile, they're missing a massive opportunity to say, hey, here's what's going on in the world. Here's what we're gonna do about it because we're basing it off of biblical foundation. And what you're going to see is something absolutely amazing. You're going to see your friends. You're going to see other people be so stressed out in this time period. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to afford the turkey dinner. You know, turkey's up 70% this year. Did you know it? Uh, you know, uh, how am I going to get my Christmas presents this year? They're all sitting out in container ships out in the ocean. All this kind of stuff of everything that's stressing all of the world. No, what I want them to see is I want them to see that when I abide by these principles, I'm in that air stressed out. I'm not in the economy of man. I'm in the economy of God, and they're going to see the goodness of who God is. Because His Scripture is true. He will provide because He knows your needs. Think about the difference of what that child looks like when this day comes. Is this day filled with a lot of stress and handling it in an improper way? Or are we abiding by what Scripture says and all the value systems that are created? And now, man, I can go into it fully confident knowing what's put into my child, the foundation of what's been put into my child. You see, church, this, th these two values have impacted me in ways that I, I don't have time to fully explore with you today. And I, and I hope, honestly, that it blessed you here today to even hear these concepts and to start playing around with them in your, own, in your own head. Because I think as we get exposed to these kinds of things, you'll understand, man, here's where I am. Here's, here's possibly my shortcomings or where I didn't fill in those gaps, but man, it's not too late. Man, I can get in there and I can put it, these values into my kids. Man, I can, it will have massive impact, church. I, I guess this is what I'm saying overall. 
As a church, I want us to be a church that is a group of parents who don't push this crisis off to another generation, but rather we're parents who understand this intentional dynamic and we're gonna be a, a group of parents who encourages blessing, not brokenness. Who, who encourages favor, not dysfunction. Why? Simply because we're making a decision that I am going to be intentional and I am not gonna wonder what my kid looks like in 18 years. I'm gonna go after this whole thing. We can do this, amen? Amen, amen. we can do this. I'm telling you, it is possible and it's never too late. Don't let that shame thing happen and put on you. I got one more thing that I wanna give you and it goes in line with everything that we've been talking about here today. But this Wednesday, the team has been uh, planning and preparing for something just extra special, to be honest with you. Um, we, we've had some powerful weekend services where, yes, we took that step, but what does the next step look like? What does the next step look like? And when I'm making this, this decision that I wanna keep growing close to God and I wanna keep having this life of impact, uh, we've created what we're just simply titling Family Night where we're gonna come and we're expecting the power of God just to move in massive ways. We're gonna have a night of amazing worship. We're gonna have a night of amazing prayer. We're gonna have a night where we're calling things out inside of us as parents. No matter where you are on this journey, whether you're a brand new parent that's pregnant out there right now and you're worried, scared to death and you don't know what to do, okay? Come to it, I guarantee you God will give you the strength and the confidence to walk into parenthood amazing. Whether you're that young parent, that is just starting out and you're still trying to figure things out, man, fantastic. Whether you're a parent that has a teenager and good Lord, you need them. So I hear, I was perfect angel, don't look at my parents, okay? <laughs> or whether you're that parent that has had them outside of the house already. It doesn't matter where you are on the scale, parenting never stops. And it's always good to get back to where? The Lord. That's what we're hoping to happen this Wednesday. And so I'd love to invite you to that night, that event. Everybody stand to your feet. Let me bless you guys before we go. Do you realize, if you look at the definition on Webster, you can summarize the definition of family this way. You got blood family, which means we got brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, right, okay? But then what Webster describes is this marriage. What is that? That's a spirit family. Because what scripture says, what God forms, no man can separate. They're not blood, they come together and form this. Did y'all know that everybody in this room, we're family? It's a spirit family, why? We got the blood of Jesus that brings us all together. The best families that I know, the most successful families that I know, combine blood, family and spirit family. Not just ancestral, but we also have Jesus in common. May the Lord keep you, may the Lord bless you, and I bless you with the awareness. Guys, we can do this. Let's dive in together, build a phenomenal foundation, get together as a church family and say, hey, no more. We're gonna be a generation where this stops. Blessings are gonna flow, favor's gonna flow, brokenness is gonna stop. Uh, dysfunction's gonna stop in Jesus' name. And amen and amen. Love you guys so much. Thank you all so much. Have a fantastic weekend. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. 
If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.